the Sunday Sermons Podcast. A couple weeks ago, we looked at pineapples and how prickly they are and how much they remind us of ourselves and how sometimes when we're trying to get close to other people, we're trying to be good Christians and get to know other good Christians, we run into the prickly stuff and it gets hard. We talked about what do we do about that. Last week, we talked about grapes. We used grapes to remind us that God designed us to, to grow in bunches and not just randomly grow in bunches on very carefully tended structures that he himself supervises. If you miss those, we're going to build on them. I hope you can go back. They'll still live on the internet for quite some time. Today, we're going to talk about bananas. See, healthy relationships are not always as appealing as we'd like them to be. So this morning, I'd like to give you a hand. Nobody got that one. That's okay. These are, there's a bunch of grapes. There's a hand of bananas. So there, there we go. I, just, I have to explain all my jokes. I'm sorry. That's how it works. But seriously, no kidding, just straight up. This is where we're going today. How do we take our relationships to the next level? It's not enough just to be together. It's not enough just to be in the same room, though that has to happen. Those are important. They're, they're important. But how do we really get there? How do we peel back those layers that we keep up there to protect ourselves? How do we peel back the stuff that we, we use as armor or that we use to, to just not, never as a mask or whatever else we put up between us and other people? And how do we find together, how do we find our true purpose? How do we get there? Well, it starts here. We have to reveal our true selves. We have to reveal our true selves, who we actually are. Would you say that out loud with me? We reveal our true selves. And those of you who like to write things down, that's your first word to write down, the one that's underlined. But here's the thing. As terrifying as it is, as scary as it is for all of us, even extroverts, where are my extroverts out there? You don't mind raising your hands. Let's go. Love you guys. Okay? Even they, sometimes it's hard to peel back those layers. And some of us are on the far end. I won't ask you to raise your hand because I know better. But some of us, that's the most terrifying thing there is. And most of us are somewhere in the middle. It's never easy. But the truth is, we have to expose who we really are if we're going to grow. If we're going to get to point B, we've got to know where point A is. And if we're going to accept help on that journey from point A to point B, we've got to let people know where we actually are, where actually point A actually is at that moment. Does this make sense so far? But, but that's so terrifying. So it's important that people know our, our strengths and our gifts and who, who, what we're passionate about, who God made us, what makes us come alive. It's also important that people know our weaknesses and our failures and the things that break our hearts and the questions that we're wrestling with. And then, as we talked about the last couple of weeks, as we pray and we love and we serve and we pray and we love and we serve and we do all of that together, we can get somewhere. One thing that I've found working with people and being a person for quite some time now is sometimes we even fool ourselves. A funny story I heard, uh, supposedly it's a true story, I think it is, but I don't know the kids, so I can't vouch for it. 
But this kid, he was trick-or-treating and he was dressed up as Batman. And he goes to somebody's in his neighborhood and he goes to their house and, and it's somebody that knew him. So she recognized who the kid was and she goes, so who are you? And he's, I'm Batman. You know, the, the Batman voice. And she goes, no, no, who are you really? And he goes, I'm Bruce Wayne. (laughs) And I love that kid. Like, what in the world? That is so cool. He has gone so deep into it. He is like living this all the way across. But but the truth is, sometimes we, we fool ourselves that way too, don't we? Like we, we, it's, we, we get the idea instead of face it until you make it, we, we fake it until we make it. And, and we try, we, sometimes we even fool ourselves. We're not really even trying to lie, but we, we don't even realize how deeply we struggle sometimes. And it's when you're in a group of people, it's when there's other people with you that all look very similar and are a little bit probably uncomfortably close that you really start getting aware of some of those things. That's one of the reasons we need it so badly. In Romans, Paul writes this, for by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, every one of you, that's all of us, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Looks like this. We're not just out there all by ourselves doing our own thing. We're all together. But how do you start peeling it? How do you start getting back those layers? How do you actually start letting the other bananas in the bunch know exactly who you are? Here's a pro tip. One peel at a time. Seriously. I mean, I I don't know anybody, even the most bold extroverts among us that can go into a small group the first night and go, here's my deepest struggle. These are the doubts I still wrestle with. These are my fears. This, I need you to pray for this. Here's how my checkbook works. You you know what I'm saying? Like that's terrifying to everybody. But if you just start a little bit, you share the truth about something. You you just say, yeah, I'm not perfect. Here's one way I'm not perfect. Little by little, it gets easier. Does this make sense? You, 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 don't, you don't fake it. You don't, you don't pretend that everything but that one thing is perfect. But you don't have to share every single thing. Not, there's probably some things you don't ever have to share ever. It's just between you and God. But the stuff that you need to share, one thing at a time is okay. But somehow or another, we've got to be in a, a group that we can build trust with. We've got to be in a group that that's not the first night that you're sharing. You've got to be in a group that that's not the first time that you've let somebody see a glimpse of what's underneath this shell, what's behind the mask. You've got to be in a group that knows you already, that accepts you already, that already sees you as part of them. And then, little by little, we can show our true selves. In all of the beauty, in all of the strength, in all the wonder, in all the great things that God puts us, as well as the weaknesses. Is this tracking? Okay. 
This idea that God actually renews us, the idea that we actually change, this idea that when we reveal who we really are and admit that we really need help, there's hope. That's throughout the whole scripture. That is the gospel. It's not just that Jesus died and rose. It's what that means. Because Jesus died and rose, we can die to who we used to be and rise to be something different. And we can live to be a completely different kind of people than we used to be. But you see this in the Old Testament. You see it in New Testament. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted, writes the psalmist. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. When we admit, my heart is broken. I feel like I just got smashed right now. The Lord is close to you. Jesus started out his very first sermon, his first big teaching, saying things like, blessed are the poor in spirit. Those who mourn, the meek, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, not so much that they got there already, but they hunger and thirst for it. They crave it. That's what their life is about. Blessed are the merciful. Why are they blessed? Because they're right there where they need to be. They're right there where God and God's people can actually help them get somewhere new. They are admitting exactly where their point A is. And they're moving on from there together. Psalm 51, David wrote that after his huge failure with Bathsheba and that whole thing. It says, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. This is embedded in everything. It's embedded in the Great Commission. Jesus says, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. They're not disciples yet. They don't even know who Jesus is. We've got to go where they are and reach them and help them learn to follow Jesus. And then he says, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. That's because baptism is all about uniting us with the actual death and burial and resurrection of Jesus and all the power in that and getting the Holy Spirit put into us and forgiveness of sins. It it symbolizes all of that transformation that God wants to do. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all the things I've commanded you and I will be with you always. There's, There's this transition. They don't know Jesus. And on this other side, they they not only know Jesus, they do everything he says, and they're also making new disciples. It's in the story of the church in Acts chapter 2. It's everywhere in the scripture if you look for it. Real transformation. When we come to God and we repent, when we come to God and we confess, when we come to others and we confess and we pray and we share and we say, hey, I, this is my point A. I'm not bragging about it. I'm admitting it. I need your help. I need your prayers. I need you to support me as I get to the next place. We actually get to go somewhere. We actually have hope as Christians because of Jesus, because of his spirit, because of the kind of relationships he makes possible that we can actually make those changes. Jesus 
talked about this in the story of, uh, that he, he made up. It was a parable to teach us something. The uh, tax collector and the Pharisee. How many have ever heard that story before? Well, good. A lot of you have. Short version, it's in Luke 18. You should go read it in Jesus' words. But short version is the Pharisee who legalistically was perfect, but deep inside was not. He looked like a really nice, shiny yellow banana, but deep inside there were like bruises and maggots and stuff. You know what I'm talking about? And then there's a tax collector and they both, the tax collector had betrayed his own people. He was working for the enemy. Nobody liked him. He had no friends. They go to the temple and the Pharisee says, God, I thank you that I'm not as other men. Thank you that I do all of these good things. And thank you that I never do these other things like that tax collector over there. And the tax collector hits himself and says, God, forgive me. I'm a sinner. And Jesus straight up says, you know, you know who God heard that day? The tax collector. Not because God's really cool about cheating people and working for the enemy and all the things the tax collector was into, but he admitted his point A that day. He said, this is where I am. And God, I, 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 I'm sorry. Forgive me. I need help. Paul writes, in the same way, the spirit helps us. These are, this, at this moment, he's talking to believers. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for. The Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. There are so many times these days that my prayers alone are not very eloquent at all. They'll start out and then I just say, Holy Spirit, just pray for me. We've got to replace our armor with God's. The masks that we wear, the shields we put up, the walls that we build, the barriers that we put up, they're not there because we're evil. They're not there because we just hate everybody else. We're trying our best. We're desperately trying to protect ourselves. We're desperately trying to shield ourselves from damage by other people. It's not that we're all evil in the sense that we're just on purpose trying to be evil. We just need Jesus and we need each other. But we put up these barriers to pretend we actually don't. And true repentance is where we actually reject sin and instead on the other side, we embrace righteousness. We abandon our own self-help strategies and we embrace the ones that God gives us, which include pursuing him himself and his people and his will for our lives. Psalm 1 paints a beautiful mental picture of what this looks like. It said that the righteous life looks like a tree that's planted by streams of water. And it, it bears fruit in season and it always is growing and always has what it needs. And, and what does he say that righteousness looks like? It, it says the righteous people, they, they don't sit in counsel with the wicked or people who are against God. They don't walk in the way of the sinners. They don't pursue unrighteousness. Their close relationships are with other people who are trying to follow God. Are you with me? It's not that they never hang out with anybody else. They intentionally pursue relationships that are taking them closer to God. 
And that's why they're like a tree that's planted by streams of water. They always have what they need. God himself and all that he's doing in all of those other people complements what he's doing in them. And their tree grows and produces fruit. Sounds so beautiful, doesn't it? And it also sounds really scary. Let's be honest. But John Maxwell says, everything you really want but don't have is outside of your comfort zone. I'm going to read that one more time. That's not a Bible verse, but I believe believe that. I think that's true. Everything that you really want but don't have is outside of your comfort zone. For whatever reason, no judgment. We're scared. Somebody was mean to us. There's a thousand reasons why we put ourselves in little comfort zones that are keeping us alone. But for whatever reason, whatever you really want is going to be outside of that. Back to Romans with Paul writing again. He says, besides this, you know the time and the hour has come for you to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. And again, just so you know, whenever the scriptures talk about salvation, it's always this deep idea where there's more than just a moment in time where you quote unquote got saved. It's talking about, yes, you're justified in Jesus the moment you repent and give him you, you, that whole thing, the baptism, the whole, the whole thing as it's described in the scripture. From that day, you belong to Jesus. But notice as you read the scriptures, and please don't take my word for it, read them for yourselves. There's always this. If you just open your eyes at all, you see that there's not just salvation in that I'm not going to go to heaven when I die. Their salvation is I live differently. So I'm saved from the power of sin. I'm saved from running my life myself or thinking I do. I am saved from having to build barriers around myself and try to do things my way and keep it all a secret. I don't have to do that anymore. I am saved from those things. There's a salvation that happens here and now long before we get to heaven. And the Bible speaks about it all the time if you just look at it. Besides that, you know the time, that hour has come for you to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. I believe when he says it at this moment, he's also talking about Jesus coming back. This idea of salvation, all I'm trying to just throw a little seed out there. It's way deeper than we usually think about it. Dig deep. Anyway, the night is far gone, the day is at hand. So then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. In other words, we got to peel that banana completely and then dip it in, I don't know, chocolate or something. You know what I'm talking about? Something totally different. It's going to be a completely different thing now. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies or drunkenness, not in sexual immorality, sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Again, we, it's not that we pretend we don't have those desires. We break down all the stuff that keeps us doing them, keeps them a secret, keeps nobody else able to touch them or know about them, keeps us relying on them more than we rely on God or the people that we're close to. We get rid of all that. We make no more provision for the flesh. We make no more provision, no more, we, we don't baby those things. We don't 
maintain our little masks and our little illusions and fences. Instead, we put on the armor of God. We put on Christ himself. And again, this is, imba- this is embedded in the gospel. So many, uh, I'll just, here's a whirlwind tour. That was Romans, Galatians. Paul says, for as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Colossians, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Peter writes, so put away all malice and deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander. Like newborn infants long for pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation. See that much deeper idea again? If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Throughout the scripture, there's this other really cool image that people uh, are preparing the way for someone. I think what probably the most famous one is John the Baptist coming to prepare the way for the Lord. He got things ready. Got people to repent before Jesus even shows up. He tells them, hey, he's about to come right now. And then he's able to introduce him. Behold, the Lamb of God. But it uses that phrase. You see it in the Old Testament several times, but it very intentionally uses that. He's preparing the way of the Lord. He's making straight paths for him. But one of the most amazing things to me is that when we do that, when we take steps to prepare the way for the Lord, he jumps in and starts preparing the way for us too. That's what Proverbs 3 is talking about when it says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Acknowledge the Lord in all of your ways and he will make your paths straight. God's gonna work things. And it doesn't mean you'll never face any problems or anything. Don't, don't misunderstand that. That's a complete misunderstanding of what he's saying. But he's gonna make it clearer exactly where you go next. He's going to help you. He's gonna walk you into the next steps that he has for you. He's going to make sure that you know what's coming next and that you've got the people around you that you need and you've got this spirit of himself inside you. In Ephesians 6, Paul talks about the armor of God. How many have ever heard of that? I got to admit, when I was a kid, um, that was one of my favorite parts of the whole Bible. And um, I, I love just the idea of, you know, wearing armor, being a soldier. Yeah, I'm going to go kill the devil. Anybody else? Is that? And, and well, let's go. And we, we, used to, we used to sing that song, I'm in the Lord's army. Anybody ever seen that one? Okay. I don't think we do that much anymore. And I think the reason is we don't want kids to grow up feeling militant. You know what I'm saying? Like, but, but, but I'd like you to notice this morning, I think that's pretty familiar if it's not, or even if it is, you should go back and read that straight out of Ephesians 6, where Paul says, listen, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And therefore, you've got to put on the armor of God. But notice what the armor is. It's the stuff that binds us together. It's the stuff that lets us pull off all the peels and clothe ourselves in Christ. It's a belt of truth. You tell the truth. It's a breastplate of of righteousness. 
which none of us get there unless we've gotten rid of the sin and admitted that we had it and asked Jesus to cleanse us. And then he calls us righteous and then trains us to be righteous day after day. We only get that when we peel off all the old peel and put the new one on. Are you following me? And you go through every single one. It's the helmet of salvation. And not just one experience one day, but the ongoing, the many different things, waiting for Jesus, getting more like Jesus, all of the things that salvation means. That's, that's protecting your head. It's the sword of the spirit. We've actually got God's spirit and his spoken written word. That's what we have to fight against the lies of the devil. And that's why we have shoes that make us ready to share all that. Because we're actually getting somewhere. We that have peeled back all the other peelings and put on the armor of God, put on Christ himself. We have a story to tell. And we want to tell it. I love the idea that the shield is faith. If you never knew this, I need you to see this. This is worth remembering if you've heard it a thousand times. That's how Romans use their shields. Of course, they'd also go like this sometimes. But this is one of the things that made them so formidable. In groups of sometimes up to 100, they'd have this impenetrable wall coming at you. There's not much you can do. The shield of faith protects us best when we use it together. When we're bound really closely to other believers who also have all of that armor, including the shield of faith. Does this make sense? So all that together, this is, this is what I'd love for you to say. Say it to the person right next to you. Be a good banana. All right? Turn to the other person next to you. Be a good banana. And you know what that means? That, that means you admit the kind of banana you really are. At some point, you have submitted to all the bad stuff getting cut out. You've probably gotten sliced and diced at some point because we're talking about the fruit salad thing still. We're getting there. But the idea is that you have gotten rid of all the stuff that you used to use to protect yourself. You used to use to disguise yourself. And instead, what you're putting on right next to all these other people that you're trying to do life with is the armor of God, the actual person of Jesus Christ, the actual, we're actually doing that instead. Don't waste your potential just trying to protect yourself through life. Please, let's team up so that we can really be transformed and actually make a difference in the world. In one way or another, most of these messages, I'm referencing a book called Bandersnatch and the idea of the inklings who work together. I won't spend a lot of time on this today, but that's them, C.S. Lewis, J.R.R. Tolkien, and a bunch of their friends. As C.S. Lewis said, friendship is born at the moment when one man says to another, what, you too? I thought that no one but myself That's when it starts. But what really makes it good is when you keep coming back. What made the Inklings group so powerful is they met together every week, no matter what else. 
And they were honest with each other. They were real with each other. They, they, they helped each other refine all the books and plays and textbooks and radio programs and all the other things that they were doing. They helped each other get better. They met with intention. And this is the same beauty that we see in God's design for us as a church. We have different gifts, Paul writes, according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. We see this in the story of the first church as it was originally formed in Acts 2. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to the prayers. And the awe came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done throughout through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. They received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Today, when you walk out those doors, there's going to be, you probably saw it coming in. I hope you did. But it'll be really obvious when you go out there. We're having a growth group fair. We're inviting you to join a group. Not because it's some revolutionary idea that we came up with. It's not. This is how we grow. This is where the peels come off. This is where the armor gets adjusted and fit and you actually have people to stand next to you and hold their faith shield up. We've got Sunday schools. We've got service things. We've got groups that meet in homes and groups that meet in various locations. We've got them for various different age groups and situations in life. We've got a bunch of, the, the, the point is you need somebody. One of my favorite things about this church is I know this is already happening a lot. We already have a bunch of great Sunday schools and growth groups. And some of them are so full they didn't even bother putting putting a a paper out there. But the ones that are out there, they've got room. They've got room for you. And they're already doing great. And we have some new ones that are forming. We're, We're working on this right this minute. But real quick, here at the end, this is what I'd love to do, is just remind you what the bullseye looks like. There's a thing called target theory. It's very simple. It says this. We tend to hit the things we aim at. We tend not to hit the things that we don't aim at. Make sense? Okay, pretty simple. So here's what we're aiming at. The bullseye of these growth groups is we actually grow. The bullseye is that we get rid of the old peels and we replace them with everything that God has to offer. And then together, we get certain things done. It's not about growing this church, though I do believe that would happen. I think as people, as we get more groups and people actually build really healthy, deep, life-changing relationships, more and more and more, of course, more people will want to be involved in the big group. But that's not the bullseye of this target. 
The bullseye is that we actually live out the design of Jesus. Are you hearing me? That he doesn't just want us to be in a big group. He wants you to be in a small group and he wants you to be in that one-on-one little tiny small group with just him. And if you're missing any of those pieces, you're missing something really important. So we're trying to be obedient. We're trying to help you. So one more time, this is what those groups are doing. This is what we're inviting you to do today. And if you're already doing it, great. Maybe do it even better. Invite some people, bring some people with you. If you're not in a group of any kind, this is a great day to try and find one. But here's what we're trying to do, alone and together. We reveal our true selves. Today, that can start with you just praying a prayer. We're going to stand and sing in just a minute. You reveal your true self to God. Admit to God where your point A is. You think he's going to be surprised? No. He knows, but admit it. And, and if you're going to be in a group, you can, you can start. That's where it starts. You reveal your true self to them. And then you need to replace your armor with God's. If you realize this morning that what's, what's actually carrying you through life and helping you make it is actually just stuff that you're trying to do yourself, this is a great day to admit that's really not working as well as you think it is. And wouldn't it be great to just completely cast that off and instead put on the armor of God. We'd love to walk you through that. And if you've got something to do in that direction, we've got to, you can come forward and off camera, you can make a decision. We'll walk you through that if you want it. Just prayer, you can come to the back. But one more time, let's say this to each other. Say it to me, let me say it to you. Be a good banana. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you one more, one more secret, okay? This is the end. You know how people say, oh, churches always do this. Christians always do that. You know what the cure is? The cure is, don't, the cure is not avoid church. The cure is be a good banana. Do you understand what I'm telling you? You, you, you think it's bad that Christians gossip? Don't gossip. Guess what? You just raise the ratio. You think it's bad that Christians don't get involved in serving the community? Find a way to serve the community. You just raise the ratio. You think it's wrong that Christians are judgmental but don't actually offer any help of real transformation? Join a group. Peel. Put on the armor of God. You just raise the ratio. Christianity just got better. Are you with me? You are the church. You are the church. And when each one of us plays that part and then we decide to band together, sorry, I got to say the pun, we actually can give the world a hand. Are you with me? Whatever you got to do this morning. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I'm normally chased out of the room for my puns. Thank you. (laughs) But no, all joking aside, whatever business you need to do individually with Jesus, would you do it right now? And after we say our blessing and we head out, would you take some time and try to either rejoin or join or sign up to create or something so we can live this way more than ever?